We consecrate this teaching tonight to the sacred heart of our beloved, love crucified, in union with our most holy mother, and in the chaste heart, through the chaste heart of St. Joseph. I'd like to begin tonight with number 88 of our path, which is what I asked all of you to, to ponder before the cynical. So I'm just going to read the first part of these words from our Lord. Only love radiates the light of God, for his light is love. The light of Jesus Christ is love that suffers for all and with all. Love in pain and sorrow. Love that enters into the brokenness of humanity and receives her brokenness into himself to heal and restore her in God. Love receives her wounds and bears them upon his body to heal her with the balm of his tenderness in mercy. This is the light of the world. This is love, the word incarnate. I'd like for us to take one sentence and make it personal. So take this sentence and read it this way. Love receives my wounds and bears them upon his body to heal me with the balm of his tenderness in mercy. I spent most of my holy hour this morning just repeating that one sentence, pondering Jesus' love as the light for me. Jesus receiving my wounds and all my brokenness and all my sin, all my life upon his precious body and how I have received healing from my Lord precisely through his tenderness and mercy. It's really powerful to take that one sentence and I give you that. I encourage you to go before the Blessed Sacrament. Just that one sentence and make it personal. And just with it. Pondering the love of Jesus for, for each of us. The second part of this message from the Lord is to us. It's to follow him. 
And the Lord tells us, receive my wounds, the sin, brokenness, and oppression of your brothers and sisters so that you can radiate my light in the darkness. This is love. The love of the world is self-seeking and self-centered. But the love of God is self-giving. So the rest of this teaching, we're going we're gonna to ponder on living out that second part. And I'd like to go to the second reading of this past Sunday. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. And I'm not going to read the, the whole scripture passage. Those of you in English have it, the teaching. And those of you in Spanish, um, you will have it. But you can write down the scripture and then go back and read it. The first part of St. Paul to the Philippians, he's, he's asking the, the people, the community, to be of same love, of one mind. And then he said, in humility, count others better than yourselves. And he stresses St. Paul, the community the being of one mind, one love. The second part of that scripture, which is verse 5 through 8, St. Paul explains to us how this unity can come about. And he tells us in verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. So he's asking us, he's telling us to have the same mind, other translations say attitude, as Christ. And then St. Paul goes on to tell us the mind of Christ. And it's really interesting and beautiful. Two things St. Paul points out to us. In verse 7, St. Paul tells us that Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. The second point in verse 8, St. Paul tells us that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death on a cross. So you might be wondering, what does this have to do with number 88 of our path? What is the connection? And the connection is really important. Jesus is the victim of love. And unless we have and grow, as we all are in this community, in the same mind as Christ, 
in the same attitude of Christ, we cannot love as he loves. We cannot receive the wounds of others and love them in God's tenderness and mercy. So God comes and he empties himself, becoming a servant. How does Jesus serve everyone? How does Jesus continue to serve each of us? He comes to suffer for all of us and with all of us. As a servant, Jesus receives our wounds upon his body and he gives us his tenderness and mercy. The second point again of St. Paul, he humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. He learned obedience from what he suffered. If God himself, Jesus Christ, the word incarnate, comes upon the, the earth and learns obedience from what he suffered, how can we expect to be transformed and become one with God without suffering. It is impossible. That is why true humility brings us, like Jesus, to accept suffering. For it is only in this way that we can accept the will of God and follow Christ to the cross. My community, the Lord through the simple path asks us only one thing, suffer all with me, cry with me. Jesus has never asked us to solve everyone's problems, nor to change anyone, but only to remain with him, suffering with him. Yet this one simple plea, thirst of the heart of God, becomes so difficult for us. Why? Because to be transformed into love requires that we not only suffer with Jesus, 
but that we choose to love with tenderness and mercy. For we can suffer without love. And that is how the multitudes suffer. But the thirst of Christ is not for suffering. The thirst of Christ is for victims of love. So we go to the question tonight. What does it mean to love with God's tenderness and mercy? And again, I make the connection with the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23. Christ tells us in the Gospel, If anyone wishes to come after me, well, that's all of us in love crucified. We are the ones wishing to follow Christ, to be his disciples. So the Lord tells us again, the mindset of God. The first thing Jesus says is you must deny. He must deny himself. Then he says, take up his cross daily and follow me. So in order for us to be able to love with God's tenderness and mercy, we must be emptied of ourselves. And that is why to be emptied requires self-denial and mortification. Many years ago, the Lord said to me, Prepare yourself through self-denial and mortification. The Lord was preparing me for this vocation, preparing me to be his spouse, his victim of love. And so he said, in order to be prepared, you have to deny yourself. What do we have to deny ourselves on a daily basis? We have to deny acting in resentment, anger, frustration, discouragement. Deny my desires to escape, withdraw, indulge, myself in TV or alcohol or work or electronics, social media, distractions, deny the passions of our flesh, gossip, promiscuity, impurities, talking, Shopping, power, wealth, prestige, and on and on. All of these things that I'm mentioning come easy to our humanity. 
it is very easy to react in the flesh, to react in anger. It is very easy to react in frustration. It is very easy to get depressed. <clears throat> All of that is easy. It comes naturally to our fallen nature. That is why to live as true Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we must live denying ourselves. It's the opposite of the world. Nike tells us just do it. Just do it. Don't worry about it. Don't think of responsibilities. Just do it. Sometimes I'll ask my kids, well, why did you do that? And you can hear from teenagers a lot, but it's the same thing with rebellious adults. I felt like it. We just felt like it, so we did it. This attitude of the world, which is in all of us, is rebelliousness. It's pride and arrogance. And therefore, to be true victim souls, true followers of Jesus Christ, we have to spend all our life on earth denying ourselves so that Jesus can fill us with his blood, which is his life, which is his kindness and goodness, which is his mercy. Second, to love in God's tenderness and mercy, I must, like Jesus, humble myself by becoming the servant of the people most difficult to love. Jesus becomes the servant of us. The, the people, his people, that have made him suffer. How can we not be the servant of those that are most difficult to love that are in our lives. I must choose. It's an act of our will, my family. I must choose to serve them with tenderness and mercy. Like Jesus, I receive into my heart their wounds and brokenness. And through the faculties of my hands, gaze, and words, I pour Christ's love upon them. There is a question in our path on page 290. In the teaching, I put it for you in red. And the question is this. Who continues to show tenderness 
while treated with offenses and rejection. In this community, when we begin to see that we are able to give tenderness, even when we are hurt, we need to praise God and thank him because that is a sign of great transformation in each of us. On page 292 in our path, it says something we can never forget. It says this. Tenderness has the power to melt the most hardened hearts steeped in pride. The tenderness of God heals. The caress of God disinfects and cleanses our wounds. The tenderness of God brings peace, serenity, and rest to the afflicted, to the tired, and those thirsting for love. Number 106. On page 294. I'm, I'm sorry, if I give you a page, it might not be the same in the edition you have in your book. So just know it's number 106. And we can never forget these words from the Lord to us. Jesus said to us, you have to choose to love those most difficult to love. You must always choose, not sometimes, <laughs> always, love, patience, and tenderness, and never give in to anger and resentment. Now, we all know this is a lifetime process, and it's a constant struggle to not give in to anger and resentment. But each time we succeed, it becomes easier. But it is a constant struggle. This struggle will, will be with us all our lives. And when we fall, we repent, we get up, and we try again. The Lord commands his disciples, take up your cross. But he said daily. And that word daily is so important from the mouth of God in the gospel. Because the Lord knew that every single day we are confronted with our cross. These words from Jesus remain an abstract my family, in our lives until we choose to love those most difficult to love in our lives and in the most difficult situations of our lives. The cross is lived daily 
through the continuous thorns and piercings we receive from the wounded, broken, and oppressed men, women, and children in our lives, including ourselves. We cannot forget, we must remind each other, especially in accompaniment, these difficult situations, whether it be your job, your spouse, your children, your boss, your parents, an illness, whatever the difficult situations are, whatever difficult people you're confronted with, is the will of God in your life. To reject those difficult situations and people is to reject the will of God. These difficult situations is God's grace to transform each of us into his living host, into love. And the means for us to participate in the redemption of souls. I was speaking to a sister in the community this week in accompaniment. And she said to me, Lourdes, I'm not talking anymore. I've tried talking for years and nothing has changed. <laughs> I laughed because I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> Probably, especially everyone that's married. You've tried talking. You've tried for years to change someone else, whether it be your spouse, a parent, a child. And we see we get nowhere. Here lies a moment for all of us. It's a moment of awakening and truth. I don't have the capacity to change anyone. And all those years of trying, even with the best of intentions, was rooted in my control, my pride, my plans, my dreams, my expectations all in the eye. This moment of awareness can lead us to choose two ways. First, it can lead us to live with great resentment, bitterness, anger, hurt, fears. You see this a lot in marriages, you see this a lot in divorce, which all lead to isolation, separation, and division. Or we surrender ourselves to God's will and choose to accept these souls as they are. Like Maria Hickens taught us in her song, El Cristo Roto, 
These are the broken Christs in our lives. Choosing daily to carry my cross with Christ in his tenderness and mercy with these Cristos rotos. Accepting their brokenness. Living with their brokenness. And choosing to be tenderly with them. I keep going back to the book I keep encouraging you to read. He Leadeth Me by Father Walter Sizek. Because he lives the path. And his witness has so much to encourage us in. Father Walter says to us, only by faith could I find God present in every circumstance. Notice that he says every circumstance. The most horrific circumstances because he was in a, in a prison. He was in the Siberian labor camp. It was he was tortured. And in all those horrific circumstances is where he found God. He says, only by faith could I penetrate the mystery of his saving grace. Not by questioning in any way but by fully cooperating with it in exactly the way he asked. Think about each of your lives. It's so beautiful what Father Sizek is teaching us, that in every circumstance of our life, whether it's a difficult job, whether it's a difficult relationship, whether it's difficult children, we choose to cooperate with God's plan at that circumstance, at that moment in our life. We don't doubt. We don't try to get rid of it. We cooperate with God's plan in that circumstance. It was then, he says, in differing, in differing measures and with varying degrees of success that the glimpses of his providence ruling all things would work to dispel the doubts and the fears that were constantly on the edges of the mind. You see, we're going to struggle in our life with doubts and fears. It's not as we grow in transformation and doubts and fears are gone the rest of our lives. No. But to the measure that we abandon ourselves to God, 
The doubts and fears do not control us. Faith moves us to trust and move through the fears. So he says, I learned by trial and error. And that's how we all learn. We learn to ride our horse by falling off the horse a lot. Think about it. Who learns to ride a horse and never falls off the horse? The more you fall off and get back on, the better rider you become. The Lord is asking us to ride our horses, and but each time we fall off, because we are, we get back on. And in that way, we, like Father Sizek, persevere. But he does continue to say, I had to have constant recourse to prayer. Even if at times he couldn't do prayers because he was in such a darkness, just like Kathy Andre reminded us, it was a simple prayer, a word, a sentence. Jesus, I trust in you. Lord, help me. Jesus, I love you. Help me. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I love you. Save souls. Something simple. I'm not going to read the whole thing because you can read it, but at the end he says, it is much easier to see the redemptive role of pain and suffering in God's plan if you are not actually undergoing pain and suffering. It was only by struggling, Father Sizek says, it was only by struggling with such feelings, however, that growth occurred. Each victory over discouragement gave an increase in spiritual courage. He's up for to be for his whole process to be a saint. And it's through the process of, like he tells us, struggling, like we have to struggle. And the third way to grow in God's tenderness and mercy is the words of St. Paul. I, each of us, as one with Christ crucified, am obedient to remain on the cross as one with Jesus' sacrifice of love. I choose to live in Jesus' silent cry in the Eucharist. If you pondered number 109 in our path, listen carefully. The Lord says, my soul cries without ceasing. 
Have you ever pondered those words, my family? The Lord cries. He doesn't stop. When he's looking at each of us in the Eucharist, his eyes are full of tears. He says, my cup overflows with my tears. My beloved children are being lost for all eternity. As a mother laments for her dead child, I weep for my dead children, dead in sin. We have to go deep into these words of the Lord. What parent here in this community has not cried for a child? Who in this community would not stop crying if you knew one of your beloved ones was going to spend the rest of his or her life in hell? How could we not cry? How can we think that our God doesn't cry? Who loves us, who created us for all eternity, who sent his only begotten son to die on a cross so that we could have eternal life. How, of course, our blessed mother is the mother of sorrows. How can she not? How can a mother not cry? To see her children being lost for all eternity. After that, our Lord says to us, I need you, my faithful remnant, to save them from Satan's deception. I need you, my holy remnant. Now look at what the Lord says again. To suffer and cry with me so that the mercy of God our Father can save them. See, this is very interesting here. We are not saving them. God is saving them. We are cooperating as the body of Christ by crying with Jesus, through him, with him, and in him. Those tears are the incense that go to the Father in Christ. And those tears in Christ have the power to move the heart of God to bring them the grace they need for salvation. It's as if our tears and suffering with Christ clamors to Abba Father and brings down from heaven the grace of God. That's how we save souls. It's not us. It's God. 
That's why the Lord keeps telling us, suffer and cry with me. That's all he asks us to do. But we have to love because the power is in love. Now look at this second part. Jesus says to us, this is number 109. You are my body. My eyes must pierce the darkness through your eyes. My hands must heal the multitudes through your hands. My feet must travel to the ends of the world, proclaiming my message of love and mercy through you. My words of everlasting life must be spoken through your lips. Look at what the Lord is saying. He keeps saying, my, it's Jesus's eyes, my eyes, my hands, Jesus's hands, my message, Jesus's message. It's not us. We can do nothing, my family. Absolutely nothing. Transformation, becoming a living host, is that it's Jesus's hands now, as I am empty, that is able to touch through my hands. If my hands touch someone and brings them anything, it's because it was love, the love of God himself moving through my hands. I must decrease as John the Baptist taught us so that Jesus Christ can increase. Until we can all say, like St. Paul, it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Through me, I, and I'll add that little part, and with me, a living host. And I'll end by saying this. I must remember, each of you must remember, how in my pride, the Lord chose to continue loving me by waiting for me patiently to respond to his infinite acts of tender love. He suffered and continues to suffer my brokenness, for I have not been fully recreated into love. He cries for me, hidden and silent before the throne of Abba. Obtaining graces of conversion and transformation for me. But only allows me to feel his tender smile. Hear his encouraging words of love and support and feel his caresses. I have never, ever felt Jesus repulsed by my brokenness. I have never felt Jesus turn away from me, nor give up on me. This is how I must live as his spouse, as his victim of love. Hidden and silent in the recesses of my heart, I live crying and suffering.
the brokenness of the souls given to me. But to each of them, I must gaze upon them with the tender smile of Christ. Caress them with the gentleness of Christ's touch. And speak to them words of encouragement, support, and truth. And listen carefully, my family. It took me a lot to learn this. And only give self-knowledge if their hearts are open to receiving it. Self-knowledge is a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And as much as sometimes we want the people we love to receive truth that we could give them, we can never impose and force that gift upon them if their hearts are not ready to receive it. And therefore, the daily work of every mother of the cross and missionary of the cross must be to remain embracing our love crucified in his silent cry for souls and giving to all his tenderness and mercy. Amen.